Welcome to another episode of the Dream Big Podcast with Bob Goff. And, well, it's just going to be Bob Goff and friend because I'm the friend today. Yeah, you are. Don't have a guest on the show. It's just me, Scott Schimmel, and Bob Goff. And we, we're doing this because it's a little bit of a drum roll. This is, this is our last episode of season two. I think it's the 29th episode, 28th, 29th episode of season two, which means we've had a lot of conversations over the past several months. And we've gone through a lot together, haven't we, Bob? <laughs> yeah, we really have. I think for the season finale, or shouldn't we leave some big cliffhanger like, Sweet Marie and I are pregnant. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're expecting. So we're expecting is that you guys will do big things with your ambitions, that you'll have identified them. You'll say, what's my ambition? Why do I want it? Uh, you look for some opportunities. You vet that thing. And to say, do I want this for beautiful reasons? You are ready to take action on it. You'll move forward knowing that there'll be a couple setbacks along the way and you need to clear the decks when you do, uh, sustain belief and land the plane. It's that easy and that hard. Well, what I thought we could do for this last conversation, this isn't a throwaway episode. This is, this is intended to be thoughtful and relevant and, and at the very least relevant to me because when I thought about uh, this episode, what I wanted to do was do a couple things. I just want to ask you a few questions and get your thoughts on parts of my life that I think a lot of people can relate to. So I've got a few questions I'm going to run by you. And at the end, uh, the teaser is yesterday on Instagram. I've got maybe oh a few less followers than you do. But I sent out a, a little Instagram story and said, hey, what would you like to ask? What would you ask Bob if you had him on the show? So I've got a few sort of a lightning rounds. I'm going to pepper you with some questions from friends and fans of yours. So. To get started, I, you know, Bob, it's August now, which feels just re- absurd, the fact that it's August. Like, what? I think it's April. What would you normally be doing at this point in the year if there was a normal? And what's the difference? What has it been like this summer for you and with Sweet Maria? Yeah, the normal for us for the last 24 years has been to take three months, go to Canada, and then invite friends, good guys, bad guys, and undecided. Hmm. People that are as messed up and insecure as me, uh, but people that are on the scent of things in their lives, maybe some people that need to reconcile, uh, people that are leading different countries, put them together. Mm -hmm. But then folks that are just unschooled, ordinary people like me and you, just trying to figure it out. Um, But to be super intentional about having a time of rest for some people who need it, a time of really uh, purposeful conversations but also time of rest for us. And it's where I write books and I catch fish and I mostly grade roads. Like that's my thing. There was this one road uh, that we were trying to, we were up at maybe 2000 feet, started at uh, sea level. And there's a, this chasm through a river. And, uh, and so I thought I've got to build a bridge. So we got these big I beams and poured all the concrete and went to each side of the uh, river to get it uh, all set. And we actually made so many trips back and forth across the river, we didn't need a bridge. <laughs> oh, <you're kidding. laughs> we actually ended up with a road. Now, don't freak out. The salmon do not spawn. It's 2,000 feet straight up. It is vertical. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I think we'll learn is that as we're building towards our ambitions, you'll actually build the bridge to get there. 
as you do the heavy lifting, as you do those things that it takes to get clear on your ambition, you're actually making the path together. You haven't been in Canada, obviously, this summer. Canada won't let you in. What, what have you been up to? Oh, it's been all about the Oaks. Uh, we bought this Young Life camp I've, some of you have heard about, and we started fixing it up. It smelled like junior high school boys that didn't shower. <laughs> and then we just gutted the place. And we're just finishing. Today is literally the last day of this big seven-month push to hmm. get this place ready. Still nobody coming here. Um, yeah. But what we've learned along the way is the idea and power of what's adjacent. So when we had this big idea, want to stay home with my family, uh, it wasn't COVID that kept me home. We decided mm. I wasn't going to travel long before COVID hit. We just mm. said, I've got a grandkid. I don't want to miss a minute of it. So I'm going to yeah. stay home. Don't let the circumstances push you around. Don't let your circumstances dictate mm. when you start your ambition. Take control of it. Take agency of it. So we bought this camp. It became available. I knew what my ambition was. My ambition was not to get a camp and lose a ton of money by having an empty camp. <laughs> but you know what was adjacent to the camp? Horse farm. And so I got a hold of the guy that had this abandoned horse farm. And I said, hey, you're adjacent to us. Can I uh, get your horse farm? Now we have a horse farm with 60 stalls. And day before yesterday, I threw my first leg over a horse. <laughs> oh my God. You don't need to know how to ride the horse to own the stalls. <laughs> What's crazy is that they closed down all the racetracks, Santa Anita, Del Mar, all these. Yeah. And now we're taking care of everybody's expensive horses in all our stalls. What's crazier still mm. is that had we not gotten the camp, I wouldn't have found the adjacent idea of the equestrian center. Had I not gotten the equestrian wow. center, we wouldn't have been able to pay for the camp. My point is this. What I want you to do is find the adjacent ideas to your ambitions and to pursue those mm. as well. Not your just ambitions, but the things that are adjacent. It's like you set out to build a bridge, but you didn't need the bridge. Yep. It was the work yep. in building the bridge that made the bridge really irrelevant. I've got a road through the stream. So many people, myself included, especially at the beginning of the shutdown, I'd call it survival mode. We're just trying to figure out how do we keep our jobs? How do we take care of our kids? How do we take care of our health? And I know for what happens to me and so many, when you're in survival mode, you stop dreaming. You stop thinking and reflecting. You stop thinking about the future and rightly so think about the next few minutes, the next few hours, the next few days. You have this ability to, in, in the middle of survival mode, still see things. What, what your Help us make sense of that. Is that your personality? Is that something you've learned over time? Is this luck? Uh, I, I just look at your life and I'm like, well, that seems simple. Uh, but you're, you're able to figure this out kind of time and time again. How do you, like, how do you think about that? Yeah, what, what I want to do is see what's already available. Um, what is already available in your life? And so let's say you want mm -hmm. a relationship and you're single and you just desire a relationship. Vet that thing and say, why do I want a relationship? Is it just so I won't mm -hmm. be lonely? Um, or is it because I actually want to share my life with somebody? And so babe, perhaps find the people that are adjacent to you already. And to say, is there something here that I can learn that is adjacent to my ambition that is actually a beautiful complement to my ambition? 
And to say, if your ambition is to have a really good job, um, like uh, bagging groceries is as noble as making rocket fuel, um, what I want you to do is to say, what's adjacent to where I am? Find out the things that have kept you back. There's some people that were terribly wounded by the church or a faith community. Be church adjacent. To say, mm. how could I get adjacent to some of these things that were actually ambitions of mine, but they got, I got hurt along the way. That's what we would call a setback. And to yeah. say, I want to just get adjacent and then to see what opportunities came. You know what was adjacent to all the horse barns? A racetrack. <laughs> really? Of course. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We just acquired the racetrack. Now, for a guy who is not for betting, and this isn't for uh, racing horses, it's for practicing to race okay. horses. And so yep. there's a lot of five-foot-tall people that are jockeys walking around now. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I tower over everybody because, once again, I found what was adjacent. So I'm asking you, if you're listening, pull over to the side of the road and to say I have an ambition to write a book and to say, I don't know, what's adjacent to that? What if you write a poem? What if you start by writing a sentence? That would be adjacent to it. What if you live some good stories and take some notes on it? I'm not saying space shuttle walk in the space kind of stories. I mean the stories about when you said no to something and you wish you'd said yes. And to just flesh that out for yourself and your grandkids and the people that love you. I think these are the things that are adjacent and that's where we find our our biggest ambitions because that's where the opportunities lie. I know something I've struggled with since getting married. I got married young, right out of college. We had kids young. Uh, and I've, at the time, most of my uh, work life in ministry. So I've struggled with that battle between providing for my family, the life that we need to have to be able to pay the bills and go to preschool and play sports, and then pursuing my career ambitions. And I know so many of my friends also struggle with that. It turns out, as I've participated like in the dream dig workshops a lot of the dreams that people have have to do with just call it the people industry serving people caring for people loving on people and a lot of those industries don't happen to pay that much or as much as maybe law or accounting or finance how do you how do you advise people i know you've given me a lot of advice over the years but how how do we make sense of the seemingly like uh contradiction between providing and dreaming How do you make sense of that? Yeah, first of all, it's really, again, noble to provide for your family, to provide the the rent and the food, but it's also noble to provide the emotional support because they actually Mm. married you because they want the emotional support. They actually like having you around. You know, Mm. 17-year-old Scott, I don't know how old you were when you got married, but they saw who could not love your face. And so they said, um, I bet uh, when uh, uh, the two of you got in front of a bunch of people and said, I do, um, this wasn't the end of the engagement. This was the beginning of engagement. You decided to lead a life engaged. And from the earliest meetings that we had together in I learned more from you than you'll ever learn from me, but Mm. I bet it's 15 years ago we were sitting at Subway Sandwich pounding veggie sandwiches and just asking, like, what are your ambitions? What is it that you want? Mm. And what's adjacent? Well, what what did you do? I'm going to turn it on you for a second. You've got school. You've got other things. Mm -hmm. How did you get 
from the the guy that was doing things for other people uh, that yeah. is very definitely faith-based to yep. now you're an entrepreneur. You still love God, but how did yep. you make that pivot? Well, I love the phrasing, what's adjacent to that opportunity. I, when I was doing college ministry, raising money, I started to notice that there were, there's an entire industry where the people that do well in that industry and get paid well have the same skill set that I do. In ministry, we become really good at presenting, training, developing leaders, developing people. And there's this whole industry, like in the corporate world, corporate training and training and delivery. So I spent a lot of time hanging out with people that did that for a living. And as I learned from them and spent time with them and went to their things, Soon enough, I started to get invited to, hey, do you want to lead? We need someone who's a good trainer. We need someone that can speak. And aside, really on the side, as, as this kind of, how do I pay rent? I started to work for other people that gave me more and more opportunities. And I'm, I think, pretty similar to you in one way where I, I typically say yes to opportunities, especially if it's within my skills, especially if it's something I'm interested in. And those like kind of tangential opportunities turned into this whole other thing, which became an opportunity to build a company where I could uh, both serve people out of my gifting and my calling and a sense of how I understand God, but then also hopefully someday really pay the bills so that I can provide jobs for other people and the lifestyle that I want for my kids. So in many ways, I look back on the vows that I made to my wife, we were 23, and the the commitments I made, uh, especially in, in the makeup of who we are, for me to be the primary uh, guy who earns money. I just kept, I think I just kept saying, hold on, honey, we're going to get there someday. <laughs> and I, I think we're maybe, hopefully now, 17 years into this, hopefully at this watershed season where we can start, I can start saying that. And it feels like a new season in that regard. It feels like, man, I, can, I have other skill sets now, not just in ministry. I can go earn a living somewhere else. Uh, but it's been a long time of us returning every single quarter of every single year. Who are we and what do we want and why are we doing this? And, and especially in those years and years where it just wasn't working financially, we couldn't stay in San Diego. We, it just didn't make sense for us to keep pursuing it. She and I kept returning to what is God leading us to? What kind of life do we want to live for our kids? And what if, what if it all works out? I think that's been the big gamble. And we're still going to see if that works out or not. But it's been such an adventure along the way. And just keep reminding yourself why you started. I think that's one of the things that I think about yeah. all the time. To remind myself, hmm. why, why did I start doing this in the first place? And if that, if you can return to that, what really makes it yeah. that way. Yeah. I love that. And I something you wrote, I've been reading through Dream Big, the Dream Big book that came out a few weeks ago. You had this chapter, obviously, called Where Are You? And <laughs> right now, uh, we're in this transition season, whatever this transition season looks like. But these two questions that you've been asking quite a bit, where are you? What do you want? I guess what I'm trying to lean into at this point, and I'd love for you to speak into how do you figure that out? Not necessarily geographically, where are you or what do you want? What are some practices, some habits that you keep or that we could keep that help us uh, tune into that? Because it's easy to get distracted. Yeah, totally agree about that, Scott. The uh, First of all, is figuring out, 
uh, what you want. And for some of us, what we want feels like it's on the other side of a door. It feels like we're somehow locked out. I'll give you an example. When we were going to get together to do this podcast, all the podcast gear was on the other side of a locked door. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went to get in and I was calling you on the cell phone saying like, oh man, I can't believe it. Everything's on the other side of this locked door. Now we could have scrubbed the whole thing saying, you know, well, God must not want this to happen. I just think I forgot the key. And so not having a key, I didn't leave all my gear on the other side of the door. You know what I did? I took apart the lock. (laughs) (laughs) that I wasn't going to let my ambition, what I decided to do stay on the other side of a door. And I don't think Mm. for you, if you're listening, you need to leave it on the other side of the door for you either. I think you just Mm. know, why do you want what you want? And then you decide what you're going to do about it. And I decided I'm going to kick the door down. If I can't take the lock off, (laughs) I'm getting at it. And that's just tenacity. It doesn't involve violence with doors. It involves a singular focus and to say, I'm after this thing. But here's the deal. Don't be creepy when you're being tenacious. I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people that confuse tenacity with being uh, what for everyone else understands is being irritating. So you can just do this. Uh, I've had people that have done some things that were really well-intentioned, but they were a little bit over the line uh, because they wanted to prove to me they were really tenacious, and it ended up being a little bit creepy. I'm just speaking to you on behalf of all employers everywhere. Just uh, find a way to demonstrate a lot of tenacity, uh, but uh, measure it because this is an expression of your character. And I think if we act with a ton of resolve, Uh, a heightened character, but singular focus, always aware of what's adjacent to us. I think that's a killer combination. So as we're talking about what you want and figuring out what you want, I guess I'm, I'm really curious from your perspective, not, not what do you want for the world? I don't want you to speak towards the audience. I just want to know on your mind these days, what are the things that you want specifically what do you want for your family? What do you want for the Oaks? What do you want for Love Does? What do you want for your work in the world, especially now that you're not speaking? What's what's kind of next for you? Yeah, I want to create places where people can come uh, and get real about their stuff. Just deal with your ish. <laughs> like just whatever <laughs> you need to deal with, just deal with it. Let's not, uh, not care anymore what our faith looks like. Let's not care anymore what our marriages look like. Let's not care anymore what our careers look like. Let's actually talk about what they are. And I think there's something beautiful that God can do. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast, faith is a big deal for them. And many who listen, it isn't. But my worldview is that God has got this thing. He is intimately involved in all the details of your life. But within that, there's just broad agency to go live your life. I don't know what blows your hair back. What is it that lifts you up? And for me, I decided I was just going to spend the rest of my days, as best I can tell, creating spaces where people could just come together. And I don't need to be part of the conversation. That's the awesome part. I didn't make a place so I could come speak at it. I just wanted a place where I can just eat the food they made for everybody. (laughs) I'm sneaking back into the kitchen. I'll be pounding salmon back there. (laughs) What do you... You have a grandkid now. What, what are things on your mind for you and your family for the next, let's say, 12 months? 
Yeah, well, I've got a grandson, which I'm pretty tickled about that. We got a slide and he didn't know what to do with the slide. He didn't know whether to go down it face first, butt first. He didn't know what to do. And I just, I think we're all just figuring that out. We've got this thing in front of us. It's called our life. And then we're trying to decide how do we navigate this thing? Do we go down front first, back first? And you know what he ended up doing is tipping over the slide. He's so delighted that he just kept pushing the slide over. Man, that kid is teaching me loads. He just has something in front of him. He didn't know how to interact with it. And so he just picked the most playful way he could think of at the time. I think that's where it gets good. That's my aim. I want that childlike faith. I want to push over the slide. I want to take whatever is holding people back and say, if this, you got a set of rules about this is how you go down the slide. I want to say, does it square with scripture, but does it square with your life? Does it square with your passions? Is this who you're becoming? Or are we still doing stuff about who you were? Because I'm kind of done being who I was. I spent 62 yeah. years being who I was. <laughs> I'm waiting for new Bob and everybody around yeah. me is hoping for new Bob too. <laughs> well, we've took some questions in from Instagram. So are you ready for the lightning rounds? Come on, bring it. All right. Uh, let's see. Michelle LeBeau asked the question, what does Bob do to unwind? And I think she's probably noticed that maybe you're wound up a little bit more than most. So what do you do to unwind at the end of the day? Yeah, I have this thing. It's two words. It's called back porch. <laughs> I just sit on my back porch. So I'm not a golfer. I have, don't have the patience or the skill for it. I don't have like fly kites. It would just fly away. I would want to let go of the string and see where it ended up. Um, but wouldn't it be a great idea to write a note on a kite, get it up there 3,000 feet, let go and see who got your kite? <laughs> yes. People, go do that. Do not do this in the flight path of a major airline. But, but what I would do is I would be thinking about wonder. I'd be writing down the things I'm curious about. I would be saying, I wonder how that happened. And I wouldn't get a, what do they say in the South? Like a bulldog on a pork chop. <laughs> I would just be on an idea. And to say that actually is super relaxing for me. Are you, I guess a, a part of this question, are you a coffee drinker? Are you a, are you a wine drinker? Are you, do you like to sit back and read a book? Like just give us a little snapshot of what it's like to be around you for a day. Oh, I actually love everything about wine. I like the bottle. I like the cork. I like the label. I just don't like the taste. <laughs> and I really like to be like in command of my senses. So I'm all for if people want to drink in moderation. That's awesome. Uh, or do whatever you want. But it's just not for me. So what I do is I'll have a cup of coffee in the morning. I'll be on my back porch. What I'll be doing is writing down the things I've been thinking about. I don't just take care of the, the mail in the morning. This is a really creative time for me. So I'll write down, I'll get on the hint of a story and I'll say like, oh, that actually is awesome. Can I actually tell you one really quick? Would that be okay? Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a woman, I think her name is Claire, and she had two boys that were in the military. They tried to get at their ammo and it was wrapped up in paper really tight. They couldn't get at their ammo. So she worked for Johnson and Johnson. She invented this thing that would let them access 
what they needed to fight the fights. Mm. And she sent it to her boss and he said, that's a stupid idea. Mm. But you know what? She wasn't going to get turned away because somebody had said that's a stupid idea. She sent this idea to the president of the United States. It was during one of our large wars and the president sent it to the Pentagon. That's how duct tape was invented. It was a woman who wanted to give her sons what they needed to fight the fights they were in. And I guess one of the recurring themes for me, an adjacent idea to creating the table where people could have these conversations is to not take no for an answer. Not just just if somebody shuts you down, I'm just not going to say, well, God must have closed the door. I'm going to take the lock off. I'm going to say, I actually have this beautiful ambition and I want to not just let my circumstances or somebody saying red light, green light to me, shut me down. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Don Neldon asked, what do you do when you get discouraged? Like specific. You know what I do in all honesty, and I'm always honest to you guys, um, but this uh, feels vulnerable. I totally turtle. Arms, head, leg tail, everything's in the shell. So if I get uh, particularly wounded or sad or somebody's really mean to me, my go-to isn't to lash out and get in their grill. I turtle. (laughs) I'm out. But it's a time for me of some reflection and to take the courage to put one leg out, then two legs out, then a tail out and a head pop back out again, and then have the courage to say, what happened there? What was the deal? So my go-to isn't to like lash out at people when I'm kind of sad or wounded. I totally go inside and just like, I just like pull the drapes down and say like, I'm just going to think this through before I say the next thing. Cue a U2 album. (laughs) I'll see you in a few hours. Uh, Lori Olson asks, where does Bob's well of joy come from? And I guess I would add to that is, is this your makeup? Is this your personality? Is this, uh, is this a philosophy you have towards life? Is this some deal you made with God (laughs) that you could have joy no matter when you want it? Yes. I'll be happy so long as you (laughs) fill in the blank here. So long as I get dibs on sweet Marie, I'll be the happiest guy ever. (laughs) I'm sure I tried to cut that deal with God once or twice. But uh, coming up on 34 years of marriage here in a few days, um, what I found is that um, what uh, gives me a lot of joy is uh, that connection to people. It's the reason that we do the podcast. We're not like in this for any other reason than connecting with people and seeing them uh, uh, discover this thing, Uh, just seeing a kid discover how you go down the slide, to see a person who's 25 quit this job boldly, to be available to people. I think there's something that's just like, that just gives me such a rush. There's a guy that lives uh, in Texas, one hour from Louisiana. He got in his car, he called me up on Thursday, and he drove for 29 straight hours to come meet me. <laughs> what? Really? So we spent the weekend hanging out. It was the best ever. He's a guy <laughs> who knew what he wanted. Now, I'm not telling you guys make that drive, but what I'm yeah. saying is that I take a lot of delight in being available. And I think I've always appreciated when somebody was available to me. So it might be a minute or two that you answer the phone call or you actually answer all the emails that you've got and being fully present, fully engaged and filled with wonder. 
I remember when I first met you, and I would I would want to spend time with you and and want to hang out, and I would do what most people do: send you an email and say, "Hey, love to spend time. Here's a few available dates." And then you would send back like a text or a one line email and said, "I'm free now." <laughs> and then I'm like, "Okay, I guess I'll get in the car." Uh, and then if I didn't hear from you, I knew you weren't available. But speaking of that, here's speaking, a, yeah, there's, there's something a beautiful about that, isn't there? About availability. I remember I was had yeah. an office over a laundry mat. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And there was something I really just, symbolic and beautiful about that too. And so I just hope that if you're listening to this. What you'll do is you'll find your joy in these really simple things. It won't be climbing Kilimanjaro. It'll be actually responding to an email. It's answering a call. It's a simple act of loving your neighbor right next door to you. Our neighbor's birthday was today. And so we started the day celebrating Mm -hmm. her birthday. And she didn't know that we knew, but I just take notes on that stuff. If we take notes on what's going on around us, what's adjacent to us, I'm telling you, you will find a whole lifetime full of stuff to dive into. Well, more on that. Talita Bentley asked this question on Instagram. Life now feels even more online, obviously. What can we do to truly connect with people? Boy, I'm back to some of the conversations we've had about uh, the same one Paul had about Timothy. is to take a genuine interest. Like When you were listening, did you pick up on Scott saying he got married when he was 20 years old? I hope if you Mm -hmm. connect with Scott... You'll, you'll have a chance to talk about that. Do you hear me say I, I get I, I'm celebrating an anniversary in a couple of days? Mm-hmm. Do you remember how many years? Right. So that's not a bad thing. But to take yep. an interest, just get on Instagram for one year and write down everybody's birthday, everybody's bar mitzvah, yeah. everybody's <laughs> what anniversary, everybody's whatever. In one year, you're going to have it nailed. You're going to know a yeah. hundred thousand people's. Don't now don't be creepy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, right. say happy anniversary. There's something totally. beautiful yeah. about that. Just celebrate with people. And and I think we take that in answer to your question, Scott, by taking a genuine interest yeah. in people. See what's going on around mm-hmm. you, take note of it, and take a little action on it. That's huge. I love that. Well, the last the last question for the lightning round comes from Rebecca Johnson, and she is a teacher. And I know quite a few folks that listen in are teachers or their parents with kids or their grandparents with kids. So school is a big deal right now in this environment. So her question is, what's your best advice for a teacher welcoming kids back to school, particularly in this environment where we're still in distance, virtual learning, people probably aren't returning to physical school. Like, So give some advice to a teacher who's got 20, 30, 50, 100 kids coming back. What, what can a teacher do? Yeah, first of all, if you are a uh, educator, boy, thank you for doing that. And uh, mm-hmm. boy, a jewel in your crown. Uh, there'll be people that are smarter than me that are uh, telling you what to do, but listen to all of it. Uh, but don't operate from a place of fear, but wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, to say what I'm going to do is not teach people things. I'm going to, I'm an educator. I'm going to actually participate with them. So I don't feel like I've been a teacher ever, uh, even now. Uh, but I hope that yeah. I'll do is help people discover things uh, that you might discover math. Like that might be your thing. Yeah. But to, uh, in the discovery, to celebrate along the way. But I just want you to know that this is courageous work you're doing. And even if you're not an educator, 
um, uh, by profession, you're actually an educator. We're teaching people around mm -hmm. us all the time what's mm -hmm. normative. So I want to speak to all the people mm -hmm. that don't work for a school district as well to say be awesome educators. Like educate yourself, be curious about what's going on around you, and then dive deep into people's lives, taking a genuine interest. Because they're going to remember the teacher that said one kind word. They called you out. They said, that is the nicest thing anybody's done for me all day long. That kid is going to remember, forget multiplication yeah. tables. Like that right. moment is the one that's going to crystallize that I have value. Don't stop there or they won't be able to balance their checkbook. But I would say yeah. <laughs> whether you're inside a class, a formal class or outside, whether you're doing distance learning or not, say pivot from teacher to educator. And I don't just mean mm -hmm. those that work for a school district. I mean, me too. I think mm -hmm. you too as a, as an educator, Scott, you've taught me loads yeah. because you remind me who I am. You're, you flex with me when I blow it, which is often. Uh, you're the same friend I had 15 years ago as you are now. Mm -hmm. You've changed and grown, and you've just kept me current with what's going on inside. Well, you mentioned in, in those comments the idea of going deep with someone. And we're going to take a, a few weeks off as we wrap up season two in preparation for, and this is the other drum roll, season three, which we're going to, I guess we're doing this again, Bob. I guess we're going to keep going on the podcast. But season three, the idea, uh, we've had a lot of conversations. We've worked through the Dream Big framework step by step. We've met, and, and you've met some very interesting people, friends of Bob. But what we're going to do in season three is, as we invite guests on, and some of them might even be repeat guests, we're going to go pretty deep on a particular area of their life. We're going to look at an ambition that they had and what they did to build it and dream of it and all of the resistance and setbacks and self-doubt and failure and <laughs> closed doors. We're going to get into a story, a story with each person about something that they've built, because I know that's something I'm deeply interested in as I'm trying to build a company and something that lasts. I want to know not just generally how do you think about it, but I want to specifically what are the challenges that you faced and how you faced it. So tune in in a few weeks, probably a month's time. We'll be letting you know about season three, but Bob, this has been a trip. I mean, again, to think about how the world has changed since we started season two just a few months ago, it's it's hard to wrap, wrap your mind around. But I want to thank you for being constant in that. You're constant in your wisdom, constant in your friendship, and pointing all of us towards what's hope, what's clear, what's real, what's true and good. So thanks for letting me be a part of this journey. So everybody, yes, thank you so much for jumping in for another season. Go love people, take a genuine interest in their life, take a genuine interest in yours, and we'll see you at the beginning of the next season. Love you guys.